You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. Minnesota Vikings, the NFL, football, yeah, football. Welcome to Purple Podcast. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar here, along with Charles McDonald, who writes for SB Nation. Charles, how are you? Uh, I'm doing good. Can't complain. Uh, thanks for having me on. Again, I think this is my second time or third time on the show, so feels good to be back. Yes, we are glad to have you back, and I want to touch on a number of things. You wrote a really cool piece for SB Nation about defense and what wins on defense these days, and also... I want to take a look at the NFC and maybe, and I know this, this might hurt you because you are a Falcons fan, but, um, uh, I'm, I'm, I can't be hurt by the season anymore. I, <laughs> I stopped caring a long time ago. You're, you're dead inside at this point, but, yeah, uh, I mean, what, what it, happened, man? I don't know. Cause you, I remember there's a point where they were one and three and then they got back to four and four mm-hmm. and they look good. Cause I remember they went on the road, uh, to Washington. And this was before. Alex Smith had gotten hurt and Washington looked like a team that was probably going to win the NFC East. And, uh, uh, it looked like they were, they were back being at least to the 2017 levels, maybe a playoff team. And I remember people were, were picking them to go on a run because it, their schedule didn't look too difficult or, 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 you know, impossible to manage. And then they just came out so flat, uh, against the Browns. And they even said that they didn't take the Browns seriously, which is kind of crazy because, you're only four and four. It's not like you can really be looking down on anyone. And then since then they've lost what five straight games. They're four and nine now. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't, I haven't even like gone out of my way to stream the Falcons games, but I've caught a couple games because they were, uh, they were on TV here when they played the Ravens and it's, it's just kind of an ugly season for them. Yeah. Um, so there's a purple podcast somewhere where I talk about, man, like this race for the Vikings won't be easy. Atlanta's coming. No. <laughs> nope, that didn't happen. Nope, nope, not even a little bit. In fact, in in terms of old takes exposed, I could not have been more wrong when it came to what was going to happen with the NFC this year in general, and then uh, just over the last stretch, like you mentioned, Alex Smith getting hurt has thrown a big wrench in it. If only there was a free agent quarterback who they could have signed that could have been better than Mark Sanchez, who is a free agent who is available, who's good at football. But uh, we'll move on from that because I think yeah. Purple podcast listeners tire of me ranting about that. But, um, <laughs> but, but when I look at this NFC, it's been uh, incredible how everyone has basically moved aside and said, Minnesota Vikings, please have the final wild card spot. We don't want it. We know you're mediocre, maybe even bad at times, but have, have that spot. What has happened here, Charles? Oof. 
uh, what's happened like the NFC in general? Yeah, I mean, all these teams that have just decided they don't want it. I mean, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Carolina Panthers. I mean, all these teams that we talked about that could have been potentially good, the Packers too. I mean, it just seems like uh, they have swung the door wide open. And I, I don't remember ever seeing a time where everyone acted like they just did not want a playoff spot. Yeah, it's bizarre. And it was funny, though. I literally, right before uh, you called me, I just finished writing something on that exact subject, like where the NFC 6 seed is like, all these teams that are in the mix but don't really look like they're focused on, on the rest of the 2018 season. So, I mean, the Vikings, we can start there. They're in the driver's seat uh, for the 6 seed, which is, you know, I, I guess disappointing because coming into the season, almost everyone had them as potential Super Bowl representation, like resem- uh, re- representing the NFC in the Super Bowl, and it just has not materialized in that way, like at all. Uh, and I, I think that that <laughs> the Monday night game against the Seahawks is just kind of a culmination of where it's like, wow, this team is going to be the sixth seed in the NFC, and it, you know, if they do get that sixth seed, they're going to have to play the Bears, which with the way the Bears look right now, that doesn't even feel like it could get anything close to being a win. And you just, you just kind of look at the Vikings and their struggles and it ended up in them firing John DeFilippo. The Eagles uh, have just completely imploded and now it looks like Carson Wentz going to miss the rest of the season. And uh, I guess, you know, Nick Foles did do his thing in the playoffs last year, but even after Wentz got hurt last year, it's not like Nick Foles played well in the regular season to get to the playoffs. And by that point, they had already had a playoff spot locked up. So now they're six and seven, probably going to have to roll with Nick Foles for the final three games of the season. And, uh, here come the Rams on Sunday night. So good luck, Nick Foles. Uh, and if they lose that game, they're essentially out. Uh, you know, the, the Giants are kind of an interesting team too, because they've kind of fought their way back into the mix. I mean, this is a team that has eight losses on the season and six of them came within one score. So when you kind of look at those one score games, it's kind of funky and those are usually coin flip games. And, uh, I, and now that they've won four of their last five games, three of those games have uh, come within one score outside of that 40 to 16 beat down of Washington. So, you know, they're, they're kind of an unlucky team that's caught their stride a little bit over the past month, but even then they can be eliminated, uh, pretty much with a loss this week. So, it's just kind of bizarre to see all these teams that are just piddling around for that last playoff spot and no one really seems to want to go and get it, but someone's going to have to get it. And right now the Vikings are that team, but it's just hard to be confident in them doing anything in the postseason with the way they've looked recently. The one that's the most stunning is Carolina. I mean, they're six and two after they beat Tampa Bay in week nine. And the schedule after that was at Pittsburgh. Okay. That's tough. Detroit should be a win. Home against Seattle, coin flip game, at Tampa Bay, at Cleveland. I mean, if if you don't win three of those games, you should be really sad about yourself if you're a real playoff contender, and yet they went 0 for 5. I, I, I mean, this was a team that when they were 6-2, and 2, we were talking about, oh boy, their, their new offense has gotten Cam going, he's having one of his best statistical seasons, his completion percentage is way up, and all those sorts of things, uh, and they, they've got him throwing a lot more short passes, McCaffrey's doing his thing. And all of a sudden, it's just falling apart. And I know that there have been the one-score losses, a couple of opportunities for them to finish those games. But when you're playing Tampa Bay or you're playing Detroit, it shouldn't be a one-score game at the end. Yeah, especially, right, because those teams aren't very good this season. And 
it, it, you're right. It, it's just kind of bizarre because they were kind of like scoring at will to start the season where, uh, and now you kind of look back at some of those defenses, like the Falcons, they scored 24 points against the Falcons, uh, 31 against the Bengals, 33 against the Giants to start the season. Uh, and then they came back. Uh, they had a really impressive game against the Ravens, who have one of the best defenses in the league, and they scored 36 points. But their season all kind of fell apart with that uh, like 50-point blowout loss that they had to the Steelers on Thursday night, and then they lost four straight games after that. So uh, it might cost Ron Rivera his job. And when you look at what the Panthers have to do to close the season, they still have two games left against the Saints, uh, and they close their season on the road at the Superdome uh, with the Saints. My the Saints might not even be resting their starters that week because they, they're still probably going to be contested for the number one seed in the NFC. So uh, it, it's just kind of bizarre to see a team fall off that hard, especially after getting off with such a hot start. But, you know, that that seems to be the case for a lot of these teams in the NFC. And you're not buying that uh, Josh Johnson is going to run the table in D.C.? <laughs> no, uh, no, I'm not. I mean, it was kind of funny to see him come in and – Obviously, like he was better than Mark Sanchez last week because I think he went, I think he averaged like 12 yards an attempt. But by the time he got into the game, I think they were already down 34 to three. So mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to put too much stock into a strong performance against a team that might have checked out. Well, and also Josh Johnson is one of my favorite quarterbacks of all time because he's played for literally every team ever. And the the funny thing about when I you know, peruse the internet and people post like little clips, like little, like, Oh, I'm scouting this guy with a Twitter thread. You know, um, one of my favorite things that I did to make fun of that was takes four or five Josh Johnson plays and be like, look, he's Cam Newton or he's, you know, like he's, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league because he can run and he made this throw. And, you know, and then I didn't expect him to actually be starting anywhere after that, but here he is, he's back. Um, so I don't expect him to do anything either, and it really is if the Vikings do not just completely fall on their face and lose three in a row that they should end up with that spot. Um, but I, you mentioned that you just don't think that they have a whole lot of chance in the playoffs. Now, the only argument that I could make, Charles, is just that they have a defense who could potentially beat anyone. When I was doing some research this morning, looking at their football outsiders, the DVOA, and uh, how impressive they are, especially situationally on third down and things like that. I think there is an opportunity to win a playoff game, but probably not much more than that, unless this offense goes bananas with Kevin Stefanski calling the plays. Yeah, and I think with the Vikings, it all just comes down to can their offensive line block. And, you know, that's been a, a reoccurring issue for them for what feels like forever now. And, uh, it, I don't know, I don't know. It's just kind of weird. Like, no matter what they throw at their offensive line, it just doesn't seem like anything's really starting to stick. And I guess that the Brian O'Neill injury is going to hurt a little bit too, though. I'm not sure how long that he's out for. Uh, I think he might play this week. I think he's probably going to be questionable. They'll announce that today. It looked like he had a little bit of an ankle issue, but, um, going into the last draft and last free agency and not adding anything to that offensive line, thinking you could just move a right tackle to guard and it will be fine. Um, probably not the best overall strategy. Um, let, let's talk about this article that you wrote for SB Nation because I, I love stuff like this, like pieces, articles that make a statement about the game in 2018. And what you looked into is sort of the opportunistic defense, if you will, the big play type of defense and how effective 
that is and what it means to be a good defense in the NFL in 2018. Because at the beginning of the year, Charles, we were just talking endlessly about uh, look at all these numbers and look at all these offensive stats. And it's come back to earth a little bit, but um, it, it seems that you found that if you're going to be an, uh, a, a good defense, an effective defense now, it's more about your big plays necessarily than giving up yards. Is that right? Yeah, because, I mean, just when you look at the rules, and I, I, this isn't like a hot take or anything, but when you look at the rules where you can't really hit the quarterback, you can't really put your hands on the wide receivers, it, it's just going to be really hard to play defense, especially when you look at how talented some of these quarterbacks and some of these wide receivers are. Like, you're going to give up yards. You're going to give up points. It's more about can your defense make the plays to get the ball back into the offensive hands. So if you look at sacks, turnovers, tackles for loss, you know, these, these big negative plays that defenses can create, those do have a, a pretty high correlation with uh, points per drive. So if you look at teams like the Bears or the Texans or the Cowboys or the Browns or even the Seahawks, you know, these are teams that are slowing uh, opponents down on per drive basis. And usually they're getting a lot of sacks, getting a lot of turnovers, getting a lot of tackles for losses. Uh, and really, you know, what's interesting is the Vikings are fourth in points per drive, but even then, like, they're not, like, them and the Ravens are, like, the two teams that aren't really making a lot of explosive plays but are still figuring out how to limit uh, opposing offense. But for the most part, you need to be a defense that is going to, you know, take the ball away, bring down the quarterback, like, make big game-changing plays that way. Uh, and, you know, that's kind of how you have to do it in an era where, you, you can't really play defense like maybe older football fans are used to seeing. So uh, those plays are going to be critical uh, unless, like I said, you're, you're a team like the Vikings or the Ravens, especially because the Ravens don't really turn the ball over or, or get turnovers at all, but they just play like the suffocating brand of defense where, uh, you know, it's going to take something like a Patrick Mahomes sprinting out to the right and throwing it back to the middle of the field on fourth and nine to get, uh, to get like big chunk plays against them. So, uh, that, that's really what I want to look at just cause I felt, I just, I just look at the eye test and my eye test is telling me like, okay, it, it feels like you just kind of need to be a defense that make plays if you want to advance yourself in this, uh, in, in this new style of football that we're playing and, and the numbers pretty much support that. So what if someone wanted to figure out how good is my defense? What are my chances really? Or when you're playing a particular opponent, what is what is your sort of go to in in terms of stats? Like if if I'm just pulling up your football outsiders or pro football reference, are you immediately going to sacks and turnovers? Or I mean, because I I do think the turnovers can be a little random, right? From year to year, yeah. Sometimes you get the fumble bounces, sometimes you don't get the fumble bounces, right? Um, what, what are you looking at first to analyze the defense? Well, the the, the the turnovers point is is a great point because even from a not even from a year to year basis, from a game to game basis, turnovers can be like very, very volatile, uh, very random. Like you said, a fumble recovery is like one of the most random things that happen in football just because once that ball hits the turf, you don't know where it's going to bounce. Like it, it could bounce out of bounds. It could bounce into your team. It could bounce to the opposing team. Uh, it's just kind of hard to predict what's going to happen on those plays, but even sacks have a, have a, as far as football stats go, sacks have a pretty strong correlation with, uh, you know, being able to slow down opposing offenses. And it's really like what we, what we 
been, I, I guess, harping on over the past few years where this is a passing league. So you kind of need to be a team that can get pressure on the quarterback, bring quarterbacks down, uh, make plays on the ball when the ball's in the air, get interceptions, you know, stuff like that. So uh, I think turnovers, turnovers and sacks are probably the best way to do it. Tackles for loss have a pretty, you know, they have a decent correlation with points per drive, but not as strong as uh, either turnovers or sacks. You can read about that on SPNation.com. So uh, I, I'm, I'm just, I, I just think like when you want to see what a defense has to do to, to really be effective in 2018 now, it, it's sacks and it's turnovers for the most part. So now something interesting to me that stood out is that the team the Vikings are playing this uh, weekend kind of bucks the, the trend a little bit here because they have a very high turnover percentage per drive. They're fourth in the league, but when it comes to scoring percentage allowed, they are 23rd. And then when you look at every other stat, now, now they don't sack the quarterback, so that's probably... No probably part of it um, but every other stat they are abysmal on defense and Zaven Howard is not going to play it looks like to their their top intercepting guy uh, it's been my not as hot take I'll call it like a lukewarm take that the Vikings no matter who was calling plays for this game should steamroll this Miami defense yeah and if you look at the the Dolphins turnover numbers like they're kind of the, the case study for turnovers being incredibly volatile they had they had a uh, 12 turnovers in their first six games, which is like an absurd, like an, abs- an absurd pace to keep up with. And since week six, they've had uh, five turnovers. So, you know, or actually, no, I'm looking at that wrong. They had uh, way more turnovers actually in the first six games. Uh, they had nine, uh, 13, they have 14 in their first six games, which is even just, I mean, that, that's an absurd pace to keep up with. So, uh, I, I just don't really think that their defense is probably as good as the, the turnover numbers say because they haven't really done much on defense since those first six games outside of uh, a horrible game by Sam Darnold uh, in week nine where he threw four interceptions. So uh, they, they kind of capitalized off some bad teams to start the season. And now that that pace is kind of slowed down, you, you see how much it hurts them to not be able to rush the passer, uh, to not be able to get turnover consistently. And if they don't have that, magical play at the end of the game where Rob Kukowski is lined up one-on-one with Kenyon Drake in the open field, they probably don't win that game against the Patriots either. So, uh, you know, I, I think that the Vikings are a better team than the Dolphins and they should win. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, the, the, the Vikings are just kind of a strange team this year too. Charles, how dare you question Belichick? How many rings do you have? <laughs> he stole one right from me, so none. Oh, that's right. Uh, I forget what the, what was the score in that Super Bowl when they thirty four to twenty eight. Oh, yeah, I, I, I know what it was. Uh, yeah. It was a yeah. I think twenty eight three at one point. I don't know if anyone's brought that up. What a comeback! Yeah, um, yeah. So, <laughs> just gonna pummel you on, on this inside. podcast. Um, yeah, my goal wasn't to make you sad for twenty minutes. I didn't mean to do that. Um, <laughs> but I got, I have another. Big picture question, and then I want to high five you on something. So let me start with the big picture question, which is about running, because the the Vikings have talked about this. Mike Zimmer's talked about this, wanting more balance, wanting to run the football more when it comes to rushing oh, man, attempts. I hate that. I, right, and me too, of course. They're thirty first in rushing attempts, um, but I I ran the the run pass ratio in the first three quarters of seven point games. And they were more like toward the bottom half, but not dead last. So it was a little more balanced in that case. Um, 
is that is that even relevant at this point to talk about or could it be just a thing that Zimmer wants to say so he's not getting into real X's and O's? Like if he came out and said, well, actually, we want to run, you know, this this exact passing scheme with Delvin Cook or something. You know what I mean? Like if he did that, that'd be stupid to tell the other teams what he's going to do. So I think it's sort of been just a go-to to be like, yeah, we should run the ball more. We should have more balance. Um, but what do you make of like where running stands in 2018 after we just saw the Seahawks run all over the Vikings and, and they've had success with it. The Ravens have had success with it, but uh, still the most successful plays are passing. Yeah. I, I think with running, it's kind of like in a one game sample, like you can get stampeded and lose game, lose a game that way. But Overall, I like running is just not nearly as efficient as passing is. And it, it's, it's crazy that it, it was always kind of crazy to me that, you know, Zimmer would always come out and say, well, we, you know, we need to run the ball more. But like, why? You're one of the worst rushing teams in the football. <laughs> right, you, right. Like, if you look at expected points, uh, they're dead last, uh, in just in terms of total rushing offense. If you look at like success rate, uh, just general, uh, EPA expected points added. They're always either 31st or 32nd. So I don't know why you would want to keep funneling plays to the worst aspect of your offense, but I feel like, you know, like you said, that could just be a cliche that is using and, and, uh, it's not like they have the horses up front really to sustain a, a dominant rushing attack. So I don't really know why that's been such emphasis for them. I think that probably passing way more is more beneficial for them as a team. But, you know, I feel like as a, as a group, defensive head coaches always tend to be like, okay, you know what? We need to run the ball. We need to control the clock and stuff like that. But Hey, it's, it's 2018 and it's easier to pass than ever. You got two stud receivers. So I don't really understand why the rushing offense was such a, a big concern for them. When you look at it, like they, they, they just can't block. So I don't really know why that, that would be something that you really push for doing. Yeah. I, I've got a, a few different theories on it. I mean, last year there were times in individual games, just I, I could pick out a few examples where they really effectively killed the clock. And so they were, they were up or the game was close uh, trying to protect the lead. And then they just had like an eight minute drive because they just pounded and pounded and pounded and, uh, like you said, now it's a different offensive line that has a lot less success with that. I think um, Nick Easton was sort of subtly a pretty decent run blocker that, that was helpful for them. But the other part of it, too, is that last year they got explosive plays out of the run and they were fourth in the league in 20 plus yard runs. So I, I think that that's really been missing this year, that they have gotten a couple. I think they had one against the Jets, two against Arizona, but those are bad teams. And this year, they only have a handful of explosive plays in the run game. And, and I think that Zimmer might look at it and say, yeah, obviously it's going to be a passing league, but if we're not getting any big plays out of handing the ball off now and then, that's asking Kirk Cousins to do everything. And we know that when Kirk Cousins is asked to do everything, he can't. Yeah, I just think it's it's a situation where you just kind of need to be honest with yourself and look at be like hey look this this thing running the football is just something that we cannot do so we kind of need to just take our l's there and figure this thing out in the offseason because for the 2018 season it just it just hasn't worked out for them in terms of that but uh you know they, they, it's, it's funny though because 
you look at Dalvin Cook and Latavius Murray, and like those are players that you want to get the ball to, but uh, at the same time, it just hasn't worked out for them at all in that regard. So I think you have to find out different ways to get them the ball. And you know, I guess spinning around in a 180 and flipping the ball back to Latavius Murray when <laughs> when Adam Thielen's wide open is one way to do it. But uh, overall, like that's probably just gonna have to be an off season thing that they fix for the Vikings. Not it's not anything that they can fix at this point in the season. Well, that's certainly part of it. That when you have a quarterback, that the more opportunities you give him to do something completely crazy, he he will. Um, that also probably scares Mike Zimmer and makes him think, you know what, let's try to win 10 to seven here. But I, I don't think that strategy is something that can take you all the way through the playoffs. Um, let me high five you before you go. And, uh, I'm not, I'm not pimping this home run just yet, but when the Baltimore Ravens drafted Lamar Jackson, you and I talked and it, him dropping to the bottom of the, of the first round was absurd considering how many teams need quarterbacks, how many teams let him pass. And, uh, and the fact that the Buffalo Bills drafted a far, far, far less successful running quarterback <laughs> that, you know, nobody said Josh Allen should turn into a tight end. I, I don't know why uh, he would have been a great, yeah. he would have been like Tom Rathman or something, right? He would have been Moose Johnson back in the day, would have been a giant fullback. Uh, but I love watching him play, even though he's not putting up huge passing numbers just yet. You could see the potential there as a passer. And he's just super exciting. And I'm not surprised that he's gone in with the Baltimore Ravens and won games. Yeah, it was funny. Like, it, it, I don't know if you follow uh, Ben Baldwin on Twitter, but he does a lot of stuff with uh, success rate and like uh, some more advanced stats when you look at rushing. And it, it's crazy. Like, Lamar Jackson is already like one of the most valuable runners in the league. He's only started four games and they're three and one. I mean, it was exciting to see in that Chiefs game on Sunday where uh, before that insane fourth and nine play by Patrick Mahomes, like Lamar Jackson threw what was supposed to be the game winning touchdown. It was a dime like to the corner of the end zone to mm-hmm. John Brown. And you, you watch him and yeah, he's, he's inconsistent as a passer. Uh, I mean, you know, pretty inconsistent, but all, all rookie quarterbacks not named Baker Mayfield uh, have been pretty inconsistent throwing the ball, but you know, Joe Flacco was, you know, right. When you look at it statistically, at least Joe Flacco was right there at the bottom with the rookie quarterbacks in Blake Bortles, which is another story for <laughs> another day. Uh, so, you know, I feel like if you're going to get below average passing results either way, you might as well roll with the guy who can re-energize that run game. And they went from being one of the worst rushing teams in football to being one of the elite rushing teams in football overnight. And it's like, oh, you you put in that one player and you keep everything else the same, and now you obviously all of a sudden you have a functional offense. Like it's it's kind of funny how that works for them. And, and now you look at them and you say, all right, you know the defense is already Super Bowl caliber. If they can just kind of make some some moves at receiver or, or along the offensive line this offseason, they're going to be in good shape because no matter who you put back there, whether it's Kenneth Dixon or or Gus Edwards, uh, who's like an undrafted guy. They're going to be able to produce just with the, the amount of attention that defense has to place on Lamar. Uh, so, you know, it's just kind of cool to see him coming in and have success and uh, be like a play away from knocking off one of the top teams in the uh, NFL. And I don't know, it's just kind of exciting to see him get to. I, I just, I, I, even though he should have gone higher in the draft, I think he landed in a really nice spot for him, a really mm-hmm. stable organization that's going to have the defense always. 
Uh, and it, it's just it's just going to be a situation that I think works out for him as we move along with his career. I just marvel at the repeated teams making the same mistake over and over again, right? I mean, with Patrick Mahomes, the Buffalo Bills trading out of that pick, with Deshaun Watson, with uh, Lamar Jackson. It's like they, they, they do this over and over and over again with quarterbacks that I think we can all see the writing on the wall that they should be good when they go to the NFL. Not every single one will be. But when quarterbacks are getting criticized for being too athletic, you're like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. And it's, also, it's also Mitch Trubisky, a really great athlete, was not criticized for being too athletic. And he, it's amazing to me, Charles. I mean, he is like the same as Lamar Jackson. He's inaccurate sometimes. He's not developed fully as a passer. The footwork is, is can struggle. He runs and is extremely effective at running to keep drives going. It's like, yet he's not under the microscope. He just gets praised for the success that he's having doing that. Yeah. And I, I think some of that comes when you look at his raw numbers, he, like his, his raw passing stats look all right. But yeah. then you have to remember like almost all of that production came in one half against the Bucks where he threw six touchdowns. And then when you look at the rest of it, it's like, uh, okay, this is, this is all right. But the rushing is, is where he can, he can scare you. And, you know, like we, we've seen Josh Allen go on an absolute tear over the past few weeks, uh, just making plays on nothing, scrambling the ball. So, you know, it's almost like quarterback rushing is a pretty undervalued thing. And, you know, we should be taking more advantage of it in the draft. But, you know, I don't, I don't think NFL teams will learn. Yeah. I mean, uh, maybe when they get uh, more people who grew up watching, you know, the Steve McNairs of the world or something will uh, be the decision makers. Cause I, I feel like the decision makers are still 50 and 60 year old people so maybe they think yeah. oh you gotta ha- you gotta look like dan marino or something i don't know i mean i i've tried to figure it out but i think i've got the answer and we both know what it is but uh yeah but i think that that will change i i think as as we start to look at the league and we have half black quarterbacks half white quarterbacks and we have 80 or to 90 percent are great athletes eventually 10 years from now we'll say yeah, maybe you should just have a great athlete. And maybe if a black quarterback has some issue with his game as a rookie as he comes out, like you shouldn't blow that up. Like Deshaun Watson doesn't throw it hard enough or something. Or it was Teddy, yeah. Teddy Bridgewater has a bad pro day. Or Russell Wilson isn't tall enough. Or Patrick Mahomes makes too many great throws. <laughs> like It's like, come yeah. on, guys. Like eventually you got to figure this out. But teams... Teams are getting steals because of this in the draft, and I think Lamar is just another example. Yep, same. So, it, 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 yeah, we've we've talked about it before, but you know, I, I don't think people should be too surprised with like the the newfound offense offensive success that the Ravens are having. Yeah, for sure. So, Charles, awesome stuff, man. Uh, I am retweeting your article right now. Really cool stuff about the defense in the NFL. Today, I have said this before on the podcast. I will say it every time you come on. You have the GOAT Twitter handle, at 4Verts. That's just fantastic. Yes. That's that's perfect, at 4Verts. So follow Charles. He does awesome stuff for SB Nation. And we will talk to you again soon. Thanks for all your time, man. All right. Thanks for having me.